You're listening to the Red Diamond Courier, an Elder Scrolls podcast. Here are your hosts, Bob Chichinsky and Dog Bark 24. Welcome everyone to episode 40 of the Red Diamond Courier. I'm here with you as always, your host, Bob Chichinsky, here with my good, good friend, Dog Bark 24. How's it going, my dude? It's been going good. How are you? I'm doing really, really good, Dog. Glad to be here. Once again, another of our TESO October episodes. We are super excited to keep rolling with these spoopy themes. I mean, you know, how much spookier does it get than Imperials, which is what we're going to be covering this week. May not be the longest episode ever, but we're going to talk about one of the most like different and exclusive of the races you can play. I think you just want me to, you know, talk about go my Abnerthorn, Cadwell... A uh, very Aquilarius rant, you know, for the second episode in a row now. <laughs> second episode in a row, and probably like fifteenth episode in entirety. I'm just kidding, but I mean, yeah, you know, I am always down to hear some talk about Imperials, even though Abnerthorn is unfortunately one of the prominent ones. He is the best Imperial. One of the best of all time. <laughs> we'll, we'll, we'll see about that. We'll get into that. But we also got plenty, plenty of other stuff to talk about with you guys. We got a lot of news and we got a lot of serial stuff going on still. So we're going to kick it off right off the bat. Dogged. We got some uh, some news coming up, right? This episode is going to be dropping during the Witches Fest. Yep, Witches Festival, time to get that 100 experience buff. But it can't be used inside of Cyrodiil or M-City or M-Sewers. So, definitely gotta be careful. Yeah, double freaking XP. May it rain its sweet love down upon all of us for 10 or however many days. I'm so excited, man. And I'm gonna state my goal right now. I will be 500 CP by the end of the Witches Festival on PC. For sure. No doubt. That's my goal. Do you have one, dog? Um, I want to hit 350. Ooh. Just okay. That's okay. nothing too big, but that's respectable. I like that. Yeah, this is like my precursor for uh, the uh, New Life Festival. Like, I'm going to get, um, you know, just, just got to start building up, you know, maybe get some gear for all my characters, get some right. transfers ready, all that good stuff. Yeah, totally. So, why don't you tell them all about the Witches Fest? We got stuff recurring and new stuff too. All right. Well, as for new stuff, we got a new memento. It's the throwing bones. It's uh, there's ten pieces for it. I'm gonna assume that you probably throw some bones. You know, what you're putting it out there. You also have the uh, new grave dancer weapon styles. So they're probably like, you know, spooky looking, like Skype and all that. But then, you know, just some returning stuff. You have all your normal recipes. So, like, which one of those potent brew? That's always a good one. You have the Witches Festival where it's to get the witch's hat and witch title. 
You can get the hollow Jack and Jamora motifs. And, you know, speaking of Jamora motifs, there's seven different plunder skull drops for the 14 motif drops. The uh, first one is the arena, which will give you bows and legs. The second one is your dark anchor, geyser, hero swarm, dragon, etc. There's a few others. And that'll give you daggers and gloves. You have your delves. That'll give you staves and belts. You have your dungeon, which will give you helmets and maces. You have your public dungeon, which is Imperial City bosses and quest bosses. You get another one from public dungeon, Imperial City, or quest bosses. So, and those will give you shield and boots. It's a little bit of variety there. You have your trial one, which is swords and chests. And then the last one is world bosses, which will give you shores and axes. Now... Don't forget when Dog talks about these specific plunder skulls, these are going to be the first skulls of each of those bosses, like boss types you do of the day. So you could get one of each of those Dramora plunder skulls. And then after that, for every boss, you're just going to get your normal plunder skulls, which still have awesome stuff too, and are oh so fun to grind. As far as the Impresario and the event ticket situation, we've got another 13-day event. If you squeak in every last ticket with our, you know, <laughs> um, classic Red Diamond Courier math, we're, we're thinking about 39 event tickets. You should be able to squeak them out. That's pretty good. If you're looking for berries, that's going to be good. You're going to be able to get both of the new Crimson Indrick berries that have been uh, released. And I am realizing now that Dog still spelled Indrick wrong there. It's not Indrick, it's Indrick. <laughs> that is a talent, man, honestly. <laughs> so you're also going to be able to buy all the feathers, the group repair kits that have been there for a bit now. The Throw Bones Memento, you're going to be able to just get it straight up from the Impresario. You're also going to be able to get the Grave Dancer Weapon Styles, the new ones. And there's going to be this cool new little thing called Grab Bags, where you're going to get the chance to get something from a previous event. And, well, previous Witches Festival event specifically. So. You're going to, you know, get something from the event throughout the last years. You know, they always add some new stuff generally. So you're going to be able to get the old stuff, which is going to include holojack motif pages, the skeletal marionette memento, apple bobbing cauldron fragments, and the specter mask collectibles, which... That includes the two different holojacks and the uh, two different, like, Scarecrow. I don't know. What were the, what's the Scarecrow one called? I have no idea. <laughs> All right. Even we can forget something once ever. That's the <laughs> one time. <laughs> but anyways, you're going to be able to get those from that. And that's really cool because people will, you know, charge exorbitant prices for those things sometimes after the event ends and stuff. So you'll be able to get it. The really cool part about these grab bags, guys, is that you will never get something you already have. They said that. And that is freaking awesome. And once you've gotten everything possible, you can't buy them anymore. 
So the key to this is make absolutely sure that you pull everything out of it when you're opening them before you open the next one. Because if you leave like a apple bobbing, you know, fragment in one and open the next one, it won't register that you have that piece because it's still in that other box. So you need to make sure you pull everything out of it. Boom. You've collected it. You will not get that piece from another grab bag. That's pretty freaking awesome. And if you buy like 50 grab bags, well, I don't, you probably won't be able to buy that much. But if you buy like 10 and you get everything you needed after five, the rest of them are just going to turn into group repair kits. And who could complain about that? Those are freaking awesome. So, yeah. Witches Festival should, like, I, you know, future Bob hopefully gets this episode out to you guys on time Thursday. And uh, that's the day Witches Festival is dropping. Hope you guys are slaying monsters as we speak or getting ready to go home and, you know, get your plunder skulls after work, probably like I will be. So, Dogged Cyrodiil, bro. It's going through, hopefully, the last weeks of testing. It By the end of this, we're going to have been testing for two months. So, right now we're in the midst of test seven, and we got one more test eight. I'm going to let Dog tell you about the, what's going on right now, and then I'll get into what we're going to experience next week with maybe the final test for a little bit. So, uh, yeah, more testing. And this is pretty much like Gina's little message on the thing that I got the test stuff about. But it says, uh, thanks to everyone for participating in our serial tests the past few weeks. We know it's been challenging to battle with ability functionality changing so often, but being able to gather live data has been invaluable. As we approach the end of our scheduled tests, we've determined that we'd like to run at least two more tests to gather additional data, which are outlined below. Our goal here is to see a combination of changes from previous tests affect the performance as we found that they have not had a significant impact individually. So uh, the first test is uh, October 19th to 26th. This one has uh, the shared global AOE cooldown with a three-second timer, group size to 12 in Cyrodiil, then ally-targeted abilities only applied to group members. Then the second uh, test is October 26th to November 22nd, and it's the same three plus global ramping cost per successive AOE cast by 50%, 100%, and then 150%. And then uh, regen decrease per successive AOE cast by 33, 66, and then 99%. And then the last little message is, uh, our current plan is to disable all tests and double AP once update 28 launches for PC on November 2nd. At that time, you'll take some time to an- analyze the data collected from all the tests and determine our next steps. Once we have a better idea of what that entails, we'll let everyone know. So, uh, Bob, what are your thoughts on all this? I have mixed thoughts, to be honest, dog. I appreciate them testing, as we've said. I am very inspired that they're doing live testing on the server. I wish they would share it with console. I, I don't see why this shouldn't be tested on console. But I appreciate what they're doing. 
and I'm glad that, you know, they're doing it. But there's a couple red flags in this to me. One thing that Gina says is that we've found that the changes have not had a significant impact individually. Which the first, you know, few weeks was just individual stuff. So, I mean, a month might be washed, right? So, if that was, you know, know, we've been going through this for a while, you know, doing this live. So, that's a bit of a red flag. I hope that they do get some significant data from those um, single different tests. I think maybe it was only, you know, maybe two or three tests that were only single that they might have not got great data from. But I hope that they at least got some data from it. And, you know, like I said, this is the first time they're doing, you know, live testing. So it may just like, you know, they expected it to work one way and it didn't. So they, you know, evolve and try more things. That's good. This is good. They're, you know, trying more things. That's why they're doing these extra two weeks. But there's another red flag for me that both weeks are focused on this shared global AOE cooldown. And that seems to me like, is that where they're trying to go? You know, like, is is that what they like? Is that what they think they should focus on? Especially uh, that goes hand in hand with this group size limited to 12 in Cyrodiil. I just don't know. I don't know. Like, I'll tell you right now, I've never felt more discouraged to play in Cyrodiil because I can't heal myself because my single target heal that could cast on someone else is somehow tossed into this three-second AoE cooldown. I mean, there's skills that are being just, you know, lost in the balance and somehow getting hung up here that shouldn't. And that's, you know, I hope that they, that that's the, uh, you know, the most feedback that they get and they really see because this could work. I, and I really wish that they would have tested the individual, you know, AOE cooldown at least one of the weeks. Like what's the point of testing the same one both weeks? I don't know. That's why I'm kind of feeling like that might be where they want to go. I don't know. And then the 12, we already told you guys, so I'm not going to, we just talked about that last week. I'm not going to go too on about it. But 16, I think that would be better. Like cutting the groups in half, it just seems, that's drastic. And you don't want to get it to the point where you have like elitist, you know, super elitist groups in PvP. Because, PvE is already like that. And PvP has always had, you know, a little bit of that vibe. There is groups that are like, you got to be good to get, you know, run with us. You know, what are you running? Blah, blah, blah. Link it. But there is also plenty of groups that will just pick up whoever. And, you know, if you start only running 12 people in a group, then you might lose, you know, that kind of sense of just like pick up whoever. There will probably still be group. There will be groups who just pick up whoever, but you know, when you try and run with like 15, 20 people, that can't happen anymore. So you got to start making choices. 
at some point. Well, you know, as for my my thoughts, um, I actually, you know, kind of just stumbled upon this because I was on one of my characters that happened to be in Cyrodiil, and I was switched to my ba- my back bar, Pot Rapids, and my whole healing bar just grayed out. I was like, oh, um, I guess this this is a new test, and uh, I already don't like it. Like, no one around me, Pot Rapids for myself. And it grayed out every ability that I had. Really wasn't into it. Especially so that I just wanted mount speed. And that's all that I cared about. I only cared about the mount speed. Didn't care about the, uh, you know, graying out. And I was like, oh, well, I guess I'm going to be looking up what this is and putting it in the notes. And that's exactly what I did. Also, that second week is going to be brutal. Like... Because it's global AOE, and then it's global, you know, cost, ramping costs and regen decrease per successive AOEs. And, like, you know, like you're saying, saying uh, you know, you use your uh, heal. I have a self-heal, you know, breath of life. All right, so, like, if you have efficient purge, like, that already costs about 5k. It costs 5400 without any, like... Uh, cost reduction at all, but you know, let's say 5k, you know, 50% more, it, that's 7,500. 100%, that's 10k. And wow, <laughs> you're talking about probably about a third, if not more, of your Magicka just, you know, to recast it again because of oils or anything like that. And then that's just crazy to me. But, uh, you know, as for t- the testing goes, I hope that, you know, they do pull some good data from this. And I hope maybe around, like, February, March, or March or April, somewhere in between there, that we do see some more testing. Maybe mix and max certain weeks from before and add some stuff that the community has suggested or in particular, because, you know, I could talk about us, you know, some stuff that we suggested, like, make the uh, support and assault abilities be the only abilities that can target allies, like all allies. Like that's something that if you, they rework those skill lines to make them more beneficial, maybe they add a couple skills if the, if need be one, I don't think anyone will complain because some of those skills really no one uses. And two, having a rework of something isn't always a bad thing. I mean, sometimes you know, people don't don't like change, but change is for the better. Another thing is kind of what Bob was talking about er- a little bit earlier, but define what an AOE is. Like, like is it a ground cast AOE or all AOEs that has like you know some kind of circle or you know like something like that, like cone a- AOE, a circular, square, rectangle, trapezoidal. I don't think they said anything trapezoidal, but you know I digress. Uh, or if it's just anything that targets two or more people, like Breath of Life, or uh, Radiant Regeneration, stuff like that. And then another thing, you know, I think Bob was talking about earlier, or at least maybe last week, is don't see your friendly heals in AoEs when they can't heal you, or they can't buff you up. Like, I feel like that's definitely a big one. Like, if it can't heal me, I don't want to see it. And we know that this is possible because of that kind, 
with that medium armor set, it's like it's Aegis collar. The medium set Aegis collar, uh, it does the uh, little air etch knock thing that spins around, and no one sees it except for that player that has it. And then, you know, lastly is to have the group size of 16 instead of 12 or 24 for Cyrodiil. And I think that's something that they could definitely do. Yeah, definitely sounds good, man. And once again, like, I know it might sound like we're just harping on this, but we're really not. Like, this is just our honest feedback. As we've tried to present, you know, uh, like, what our opinion is and things that we think that, you know, we think that change is good. We think that they need, you know, Cyrodiil needs to be worked on. And that's what they're trying to do. Very glad that they're trying something, you know, try anything. You know, I'm down to play with a crazy Cyrodiil for a couple months. They've been giving us double AP. They are doing it right, and we super appreciate it. It's just, you know, what is the point of them testing if they're not going to get feedback, right? So this is our honest feedback. We have not just, we're trying not to just, you know, rain on the parade. We're presenting honest, you know, opinions and um, ways that we think that they could improve upon the tests that they're doing, you know. That's the point of feedback. So. I think that people get hung up on the negative sometimes, but, you know, testing is testing. You know, there's no reason to just trash on it. You know, give your honest feedback. Try and present like, okay, we're trying this, but this is why I think that something else might work better. So that's what we're trying to do. And I hope that you guys get that. And that's what we've presented across because we absolutely love PvP so much. We love Cyrodiil. We try and make that evident in almost every episode. And that is absolutely why we literally have a segment where we tell you guys all about who is dominating in the most important campaign in every server on every platform. And let's get into some scores, dog. So we've got Greyhost, PC, Slash Stadia, NA, Proud to announce Daggerfall Covenant is leading this fresh campaign with 1,165 points, trailed closely behind by the Ebonheart Pact with 1,102, and the Almary Dominion down with 773. On the EU side of things, we've got Ebonheart Pact leading with 1.8k, Daggerfall Covenant with 1,000 coming up behind them, and the All Mary Dominion at 920 in a, you know, short behind third place. These are very fresh campaigns. So there you go. That's how it's going to start out. And DC is looking pretty good in both. Unfortunately, AD and last in both. But, dog, do, who, do you know who won that NA last time? AD pulled it off, huh? AD did, yeah. I think. And then DC and yeah. keep both fighting for second pretty hard. I don't really know who won. Second. So you know what? Grats to you guys, AD. You know, way to go, man! You guys, you guys pulled it off. You got that win. We had J Rem on like almost ten episodes ago, and he's like, "Last place is a pretty comfortable place for AD." So they pulled it out. They got to first place. That's cool. Way to go, guys! What about? Xbox dog looks like an all Mary Dominion freaking party. Yep. So uh, for Xbox and eight, you have 80 and first with 44.2 K 
DC in second with 42.2K. EP in last with 41.3K. And then for EU, pretty similar. AD in first with 53K. DC in second with 39K. And EP in last with 30.5K. Yeah, 80s now winning, or 80s leading both of those campaigns. Yeah, you know, you're, you're never happy when it's 80 leading both. I'm just kidding. That's good for them, you know, they got to lead at some point, right? I mean, yeah, I guess. <laughs> well, with that, let's get on to our PlayStation scores for NA. We've got Ebenhart Pact. Leading at 51.2k, All Mary Dominion in second with 45k, and Daggerfall Covenant right behind him, 44k. So a nice close fight between all of them. Still, this is about halfway through the campaign, so you never know what's going to happen. But on the EU side of things, we also have pretty much the same order: Eminard Pact, 53k. All Mary Dominion, 44K, and the Daggerfall Covenant, 42K. And like I said, there's about 15 days left on both of those. So as we go into the Witches Festival, plenty of fun PvE, and there's PvP left to go score too. So, and make sure that you're giving feedback to Zoss in the forums in any way you can. They do listen. That's why they're doing testing. So this is, you know, where we get to present our thoughts, I guess. Anyways, with that, we are through all the minutiae. You know, thank you guys for listening. We really, you guys know how much we love PvP. That's why we're really going through this testing stuff. And we really want to lay out our thoughts as much as we can because it is important to us and we are happy that they are going through stuff. So anyways, we are going to get into our the bulk of our episode. Well, you know, we got some stuff to talk about. It's Imperial stuff, so we only got so much. There's only so much of the Imperials in ESO, but we're going to talk about as much as we can. And we are going to start it off with are not only our favorite Imperials, but some of the other awesome Imperials throughout the game. And then we're going to talk about the Imperials as a race that you can play in Elder Scrolls Online and all of the different passives and what they're effective for. So, Dogged, uh, this list has your name all over, bro. Why don't you take it away? Well, you know, as for, you know, favorite Imperials, like... When I think of Imperials, who do I think of? Well, clearly, Abertharn. I mean, you know, Abertharn is just a great Imperial. And, yeah, he's just a great. <laughs> but also, you know, you have Clivia Tharn. I mean, we really don't know what happened to her inside the uh, White Gold Tower. Where is she? We don't know. And then you have Varen Aquilarius. He's pretty cool. He's the Prophet. He did a lot of bad, but, you know, next year, you'll you'll figure out what they're going to do. Maybe him and Abner and Cadwell and who knows who else is going to go figure out where Clivia Tharn is hiding. If she's dead or alive, we don't know. And then the last person on the list, which I was a little bit surprised about, but uh, Cadwell. Cadwell, he's obviously soul-shriven, but he's still an Imperial. Just... 
you know, look at the good Cadwell, not the evil Cadwell that we saw in Northern Elsewhere. He's that's not a nice Cadwell. That's not the Cadwell we know and love. What about you, Bob? Well, who are your favorite Imperials? Well, dog, I gotta say, my favorite Imperial that I know in Elder Scrolls Online, you know, it did take me a minute to think of it, to be fair. But uh, it's because she's half Imperial, but the half of her Imperialness is just as freaking awesome as her other half of Red Guardness. And that is Aelia Renmus, who you meet in Southern Elsewhere, the daughter of General Renmus, the leader of the Shields of the Senchal. And man, like they, like her father is the Imperial side, and her mother was the Red Guard side. And uh, like together, they both represent, you know, the true, just like dedication to um you know success and their duty and etc the imperials have and um i don't know just both of them you know were stubborn at times as imperials can be but also can see the greater good and work and towards achieve and achieve something you know that a lot of people, other people possibly couldn't have. The Imperials are always ready for a fight, and both of those definitely demonstrated that in their character throughout. Those are two of my favorite Imperials, even if they're they're half bloods. But I I'm gonna count them <laughs> in there. <laughs> all right, Bob. I have a couple questions. You know, a couple statements for you. All right. Uh, do you like treasure? Are you an adventurer? Uh, you know, we need relic hunters, and we're paying well. And do you fancy a life of treasure hunting? God, it's like I'm loading into Merc Meyer all over again. <laughs> <laughs> well, your Dilla Collections needs you. And I bet, you know, Famia Mercius is definitely your favorite Imperial all time. <laughs> Famia is top five, no doubt. Friend Famia, as uh, um, Zucus would say. <laughs> I remember for the longest time, because I don't know, for whatever reason, oh, that I know why. Because I love going to Merkmire to purchase bag space, because we used to play with this dude whose like, gamer tag was Jero, because, you know, you know, Philadelphia Flyers, talkie reference, whatever. Anyways, um, Jero, I know that I'm going to get hate mail, whatever, I don't care. Anyways. This, uh, if you go to Merkwire, the bag salesman right there for bag space is uh, something Jero. And uh, that's why I always like to go to Merkwire. But when you load in right there to Little Moth, Thaumia is constantly right there if you haven't done that quest. Oh, and it's, it's pretty much Stuga 2.0. Like, it's horrible. She is always chattering it up. And because, you know, you go there, farm some freaking bright throats. Nah, Fami is, is there. Like, straight up stooging it up. So, yeah. Uh, she's all right. You know, she's kind of frustrating when you haven't picked up the quest. And she's just yelling at your face. But I give her the benefit of the doubt. And she is a pretty good uh, companion to have throughout that storyline there. 
But Bob, she just wants to talk to you. She has an adventure for you. And you can go explore the swamp with the Seer Dilly Collections. Yes, yes, dog. Please give me the quest <laughs> so you can stop talking about it. I'm just kidding. What about some of the other Imperials, dog? All right, well, I mean, you have some of Tharn's evil family members, like Septima Tharn. Uh, she apparently did something with King Emmerich in the DC sto- zone story. Not exactly sure I've done that. So, uh, Bob, maybe you can expand on that. Not without actually like looking it up, but you don't that would, <laughs> yeah, not in particular. I don't remember what region it's from, but uh, that would make three, um, you know, of the family members <laughs> you got to deal with here in ESO exclusively. Two in AD and one over there in DC. Plus, you got, you know, good old Abner just dealing with you the whole time. So you just all <laughs> you just see so many thorns. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, next up, you have his nephew, Javad Tharn, which is, you know, the Reaper's March area. Um, he's a necromancer that turned the Khajiit lands and people dark. Get it? He's the Dramatha shadows and the dark mane against them. Also, uh, he dropped a couple of dark angers in Reaper's March, like it's no big deal. So, you know, other other than the you know the three that continuously drop, there's two more that they dropped. All right, so next up, or the last one is Uraxia Tharn, the half sister. You know, Ever Tharn makes it a point that it's his half sister, and she's the queen of Rimen. Uh, she's also the mother of Javad Tharn, so family resemblance there you know so i guess that makes uh javad is half nephew right hey whoa 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 whoa! she is the fake queen of rumen okay she is the proxy queen that just came in and took over she's not the ever she's so yeah she's so yeah i mean hey man you know she had the power there so she claimed it hey man um, we, we, I, I mean, of course, up. we went and you fixed it. Even Abner Tharn came in there and was like, you know what? No, this is wrong. And he yeah, helped. All right. You have a knight commander, Pantheus. You know, if you uh, did the uh, Dark Brotherhood or more specifically the World Boss and Gold Coast. He's also a member of the Order of the Hour. One thing you should know is that Pantheus dies very orderly many times an hour. And that's pretty much it for him. You have a uh, Sabrina Sadis. <clears throat> uh, that's a ghost from Fangler that will pick a random person and drag them on chains. So, yeah, you know it's it's half the boss fight of that one dungeon of Fangler that we both like. So there's that. You have a uh, Jailer Melitus. He is the first boss of Moon Hunter Keep. He is very interested in eating us and threatens that no one leaves his prison alive. And then he is the judge and executioner. And <clears throat> Bob, that's your cue to bash the boss. I got it, man. <laughs> I'm not out of stamina or anything. <laughs> <laughs> that's what crushing shocks for. Silly necromancers. Yeah, sorry, but my uh, ricochet skull does much more than crushing shocks. So. Well, 
If the tank yeah. dies, then you know it's that fault. Then heal him better. Then heal <laughs> him better. I mean, Why is it the DPS's fault if someone dies? Like Oh, it's a one shot. No, 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 no. Keep going. Keep going. Keep going. You have everybody's favorite boss, the uh Archivist Ernade. Is the boss Moon Hunter Keep. Uh, he was close to cure lycanthropy until Vicosa came in and turned him into a werewolf. And now he enhances werewolves and he's under Vicosa's control. He will properly document our defeats. Very important. And you'll feel the sting of lightning's fury, which is probably shocking. But then he will show us true magic with the colors and shapes phases. So, yeah, always a fun boss. And then you have the one and only Quintus Varus from Volenfell, where you get to battle him and then his huge, you know, other thing. You have to pretty much kill him for it. It's pretty much two bosses together. But this guy is the actual husband of the one and the only Thuraya, who is with you in that dungeon, as well as Depths of Malatar. And I think she plays a part in the other one as well, Frostfall. He wields in Volenfell the Rod of Kravari. Which, you know, can be quite dangerous. And clearly so, because he starts to burn up. Because there's so much fire everywhere. It's all over the place. And he realizes he's made a mistake. And that's when pretty much the gargoyle comes out, lands on him, stamps him out of existence of what you thought. But Thuraya, I guess, like collects his soul. And you find out later that they've pretty much just hated each other forever because in Depths of Malatar, Quintus points out Thuraya's flair for stating the obvious. Well, Thuraya lives from a fail, Quintus says it's unfortunate. And he also makes more jokes to Thuraya, such as, like, I'm pretty sure there's a ex-wife, enjoy your ex-life. Or something in there. It's definitely that one. (laughs) (laughs) There's some really just corny ones. It's pretty funny. Uh, There was, because I was in there in Depths of Malazar earlier as well. You're finding like King Narrowmore. Quintus is really out there. And he was just like, oh, you won't be a widow for long or something. It's like, damn, dude, this guy's savage. It's like, Man, this guy's savage. He's uh he's pretty great actually. <laughs> Especially in Depths of Malatar. Some very fun lines there. Yeah, he has he has some lines. Very sassy. <laughs> and then you got Battle Mage and Nodius, who is a blackguard from Blackguard's prison, one of the bosses, right, Dog? Yes, although I'm sure a few Argonians would yell at you and say, No, it's Blackguard. <laughs> it's a Blackguard. It's a blackguard. It's a B-L-A-G-G-A-R-D. I'm just kidding. But you're going to experience him in round one and four, and you will hate, you know, that battle mage both times. So what about uh, this last one, dog? We have a vampire lord, Thesa, and she's the boss from the ninth arena of Dragonstar. 
So, you know, you'll probably be meeting either one or both of them, maybe, while you're doing those uh, Thunder Schools. Thunder Schools. <laughs> while you're doing those uh, Plunder Schools for the Witches event. That's right. So, all kinds of uh, fun stuff here. A bunch of different Imperials throughout the game. You can go out experience. And we have some more actual in-game stat stuff to talk about here with the Imperials as a race. And if you want to go look up any cool ESO stuff, especially sets and skills and furnishings, anything, go check out ESO-hub.com. It's implemented by the one and only Alcast and Wooler. And they have put together just an amazing site with all the references you need, as well as your one and only Red Diamond Courier right there with their own spot on the site for you to check out. Plus, you can take your uh, awesome little Discord bot, the Dwemer Automaton, and subscribe to our podcast, getting all the newest episodes we post as soon as we post them. Anyways, all that is out there for you guys. Make sure to check it out. I'd also like to remind you that we are part of the one and only, oh so wildly popular, Robots Radio Podcast Network, where if you go check out their site at robotsradio.net, you can find all our awesome shows that accompany us as part of the network shows that are about fallout elder scrolls destiny just gaming in general just so many awesome things you listen to plus as part of the network we get to offer you a free month to gamefly when you subscribe for just one 10 bucks gets you two months and also if you want to get that awesome Elder Scrolls crate from Loot Crate or any of the other crates they sell, we can get you 15% off your first box at LootCrate.com with the link in our show notes and the code that we provide. So make sure you go check that out. It's a great way that you can actually support our show, get cool merch for yourself, and check out all the other awesome shows at RobotsRadio.net as well. Do you like adventure? Yeah. Do you like laughing? Uh, yeah. Would you like to listen to a group of people you don't know play D&D and reference retro pop culture you vaguely remember? Um... Excellent. You're going to love Committee Quest. We play D&D in the world of Amarin. We use adventure modules and supplements made by people in the community. We also have a sweet synthwave backing track. Come and join us on our adventure. Volume 1 has been completed. Volume 2 coming the end of January. You can find us on iTunes, Podbean, or wherever you get your podcasts from. All right. All right. So, dogged. Here we are, man. Coming into the home stretch. We've got one of my favorite of all the races to play to talk about. The first character I ever made was an Imperial. So. We got a few things to talk about here, but I want to make sure that everyone understands that Imperials are a little bit of a gated thing to get. Now, you've got to go and get the Imperial Bundle from the Crown Store. 
It may sound a little crazy, and it's pretty much because it is, but that's only because the Imperial Bundle was pretty much like the limited edition when the game dropped on console, at least. Not sure what it was before then. Probably the same, but Imperials are the extra of the races, the 10th, that each faction has three playable races, and the Imperials kind of sit outside of all those. They have no bounds to these factions because they are so focused in Cyrodiil and on the White Gold Tower itself that is now trying to be taken over by Molog Ball. But anyways, like I said, if you want to play as an Imperial, you have to unlock that access through the Crown Store now is the only way to do it. And I don't think it's too expensive. I think it's only like twelve hundred or something, right, dog? Twelve hundred, twenty one hundred, you know, close enough, right? But Ooh, yeah, it's I mean, not really. It's <laughs> almost double, man. That's tough. Twenty one hundred. I mean, it could be worth it though. The bundle doesn't just come with the fact that you can play Imperials, right? Yep, it also comes with the Imperial Horse, the Nibbane, Mud Crab, a Pledge Amara, and then obviously the Imperial Race. Yeah, that's pretty decent. I mean, just the mount in this game can sometimes cost you enough in a grand store to justify spending on other things. So you get a mount, you get a pet. Pledge Amara can help you level up stuff. And the fact that you can play Imperials is pretty freaking awesome. You know, I started as an Imperial in this game. Imperials and Bretons were what I always played because they were the most human characters. And when I started in uh, ESO, it had to be Imperial because I absolutely begged my girlfriend to buy me the Imperial edition when it came out. So I'm freaking making Imperial. I wanted to be able to. So here I am making it. They're sign their racial you know you know sign is the red diamond so how could you pass up but anyways we're gonna talk about all the awesome reasons you should play an imperial what builds are good for and mainly what passives you get benefit of by playing an imperial so dog why don't you start it off and uh, i don't know we could switch up here everyone or something all right, so the first uh, passive is Diplomat. This increases your experience gain with one-handed shield by 15%, but it also increases your gold gain by 1%. Then I'm assuming this, that 1% is probably just from my chest. Pretty much anything that you can find gold in. Not like you can sell an item, but I'm not 100% sure. Yeah, I probably found gold, but I mean, that could be nice regardless. And then you've got the second passive for Imperials, as racial passives go. You have Tough, which increases your max health by 2,000. So then the third passive is Imperial Metal, which increases your maximum stamina by 2,000. And then for the fourth and final passive, you have the one and only, the Red Diamond passive. Kind of matches our name, right? Huh? Huh? Anyways, you, this passive reduces the cost of all your abilities by 3%. That's kind of interesting itself right there. Plus, 
When you deal direct damage, you heal yourself for 333 and restore 333 magic and stamina. This effect can occur once every 5 seconds. I may have said this before, but 3 and like especially 33 and like multiples um yeah that's kind of like a big thing for me for whatever reason and uh to see that both of those are uh 333 and it started with a three is just definitely catches my eye but anyways dog what are your thoughts on the overall passives for the imperial race i mean uh, my thoughts on it is like you look at the passives and then you look at you know some of the other passives that it's pretty much a combination of a breton a red garden a nord and a high elf all shoved together into some weird little hybrid and the reason that being is that you have your breton and red guard like breton is reduced ability cost of your magicka red guard is stamina imperial reduced cost of all abilities nord it's like you're tanking get health I think you get some resistances. This one, you get health and stamina. Pretty good. Um, and in High Elf, you, uh, whenever you deal direct damage, you restore Magicka. For this, you restore health, uh, Magicka, and stamina. So, pretty good. And then, uh, when creating a tank, I was debating between if I wanted to deal a Nord or an Imperial. I ended up going with the Nord. Because I think it, it made it a little bit easier. And I didn't have to stack as much resistances. But uh, Imperial was definitely a close second. Yeah, I can't blame you there at all, man. Like, the one thing that always made me go with Imperials at first was that extra gold present there. But they've actually got changed a lot along the way. And... The reduced all costs is nice. You get a good heal, uh, good restore, and everything. Uh, Imperial tanks are still super effective. I mean, I have an Imperial tank. Everyone's all about that Nord, 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 or you know, like I mean, Argonian or whatever. But you could be an Imperial and still be like crazy effective tank. Clearly, the passives are there for it. We've shown you guys get extra health stamina you get reduction of cost you get restoration you get all kinds of awesome stuff there's a lot of different uh aspects from different races mixed into this as dog said which is also kind of interesting when you think about it but you know imperials are interesting because they're this kind of gated class like we said you gotta get it it's a you know thing you purchase they are not it's a thing you purchase. They're not tied to really any faction. They do their kind of own thing. They're more based on the middle. You know, Cyrodiil, they're trying to clear that and get control back for themselves. And then, you know, I don't know. Just I, I've always respected Imperials and, you know, their dedication, heritage, etc. But definitely don't see that much of them in ESO, I would say. So far. Yeah, I'd agree with that. Yeah, especially as like players themselves go. Not a lot of Imperial players. Yeah, it can definitely be hard getting that like kill a hundred Imperials challenge because 
Like, I mean, if you're doing PvP, like, if you're an Imperial, then chances are you are probably either a PvE main, and you're just in PvE mainly, or you're just, like, questing, or you're a tank, and tanks are hard to kill. So, especially since that has to be, you have to get the last hit on it, and if you're a tank, and let's say you're a Dragonite Imperial, then... Man, that dragon blood's gonna be OP no matter what. <laughs> yeah, and there's definitely a couple of effective classes that, you know, they could try and work out going into this. Yeah. Imperial could also be a kind of decent, like, little tanky, uh, probably PvP uh, hybrid build, though, too, just because you can restore match against stamina back and you have max health, max stamina, put on just some, like, uh, Magicka glyphs to buff up your magicka and you'd be set. Yeah, and I mean, even as far as like just tanking itself goes in Imperial, I mean, my tank that I use on Xbox, I don't always tank, but I've definitely pushed some end game content on it for the at the least some vet DLC dungeons and stuff. I've tanked, and that's an Imperial, and you know, just Imperial Dragonite cruise through it. You know, Dragonites are so impressive as tanks. It doesn't really matter what you run, but it's nice having that extra stamina regen and health regen. I'll tell you that much. Yeah. Plus, you know, ESO is really nice and like how you can pretty much make any character into what you want. Like, if I ever get, you know, more uh, character slots for PC, I'll probably end up making a Breton Templar tank. <laughs> be like dogs tank Breton templar something ridiculous like that <laughs> yeah when you start talking about tanks and templars and <laughs> you can only get so crazy so yeah i guess that's that's about uh you know for me that about wraps imperials up uh I didn't want to go too deep into the minutiae about them. You know, we gave you guys plenty of stuff about what's going on in ESO and Cyrodiil and all that news and fun stuff. We just want to kind of keep it light and talk about Imperials and what they bring to not only Elder Scrolls as a genre, but the game. And it's definitely a lot of a different class. Once you get access to it, you could definitely mix it in a lot of ways, especially if it's something that you're really looking forward to. I mean, me and Dog love Bretons because they give us 1% extra AP. But if gold is your thing, not AP, then this is your class just by that alone. So, I mean, I don't know. Yeah, I agree. Well, I guess that is as good of a place as ever to wrap it up, Dog. And we definitely, you know, we're like, man, Imperials, like, I don't know. But, hey, man. We doled out as much info about Imperials as we can, and I hope that we inspired some people to may go play Imperials someday. Go try them out. Honestly, it's a uh, you you know one of the races and Elder Scrolls is definitely worth trying, even though all of them are worth trying. But you know, if you never played Imperial, go check it out. You might end up liking it. So with that, dog, why don't you tell people where they could come hit us up and talk about Imperials and Alchemy and Royals and all the other fun ESO stuff we've been talking about. 
or you can find us on Twitter of at Red Diamond Cast. You can find us on our Facebook page of the Red Diamond Courier. You can uh, join our Xbox field of Heirs of the Red Diamond, which you can join using the Robots Radio Discord found on robotsradio.net. And if you check the link to our show notes, you will find all kind of cool stuff like links to our music producer, Daniel Nisley, who can get you all kinds of awesome beats. If you stream, people are going to DCM8 all day long. Find some beats that can actually get you through your stream. And you could also find all kinds of other cool stuff like our merch store. Where you get awesome Red Diamond Courier swag. And don't forget to check out the one and only robotsradio.net. And, and don't forget that those links to our sponsors directly are what will give support back to our show if you uh, use anything through there. So thank you guys once again for all that. And if you could. If you, especially if you listen on Apple Podcasts or any podcast catcher that allows you to leave a review, if you could drop us a review and, you know, just be as honest as you think, it helps us too. Um, If it's five stars, we will read it out on the show and shout you out. And uh, it might seem, you know, just like, why do they ask for reviews? But it really does. It makes a difference. I mean, we hit top 50 in video game australia podcasts i mean uh that's something me and dog you know write home about right top <laughs> yeah it's definitely you know something cool to see us being you know top 50 you know yeah even, so, you know, somewhere somewhere is you know, important yeah anywhere right so that's uh that's what makes a difference for us and if you guys send us reviews and anything it makes a huge difference, and it really does. So if you think just like it's superfluous, it's not. Me and Doc see it. It makes a total difference for us, and we super, super appreciate it. And we thank you to everyone who has and everyone who will. So thank you, thank you so much. And once again, five-star review. We're shouting it out on the show. So, Dog, all the people, you know, you got all the fans out here, man. Where can they come talk to you about all things ESO. Alright, you can find me on Xbox at DogBark24. You can also find me on Twitter of at DogBark24. You can also uh, find me on ESOPC of at DogBark24. Where, uh, you know, once a day I can, you know, spam your uh, character chat. Where I can uh, spam your chat with, you know, dogs logged on with the best dog, and then the second best dog, and then the third best dog, and then, you know, a couple of you know, stuff that I say a lot. And yeah, just all while, all while I do mount speed. So <laughs> and I also log off on those characters and it's great. Bob would know. <laughs> Bob sees it all the time. Probably daily. <laughs> oh, yeah. So good. What about you, Bob? Where can they find you? You can find me on Xbox at Bob Space Tuchinsky. And then on Twitter, Twitch, and ESOPC, it's all going to be Bob underscore Chichinsky, C-H-I-C-H-I-N-S-K-E. So, with that, it's about it, dog. Thank you so much for joining me again, man. Having a good time. Episode freaking 
40. We're cruising right along. Yep, we're uh, 40 more episodes than we are than last year and the beginning of this year. <laughs> so you guys have a good one, and we will be back with you next week. Halloween. Everyone have a good one. Yep, see ya. Peace. to a Robots Radio podcast. Smart shows for interesting people. Check out all the shows at robotsradio.net. Hey there, my name's Jameson, or Big Cat. And I am Brenna, or Mother Goose. And together, we are the hosts of The DL, Weekly Gaming News. Each week, we bring you the top stories from last week, as well as something you might have missed. Our goal is to start a conversation about what's going on in the world of gaming. And every week, we have a special guest join us in the chat room, where we discuss a different gamer-related topic and learn more about our guests in the 60-second download. And if that isn't enough, we also have Slim Jims. So come and hang out with us every week and join in on the conversation. Good luck and have fun, everybody. And remember, keep your goose loose.